Turn please to Mark the fourth chapter. Beginning about verse 35. Mark 4, 35. The Bible said, that same day, verse 35, when the even was come, Jesus said to them, let us pass over unto the other side. You know, as we just got through mentioning, his words are empowerment. Because there's power in the word to enable you to do what he just told you to do. Which is why it's so foolish when the Lord tells us to do something, to reply by saying, I don't know if I can. (laughs) Well, he just told you. By the fact he just told you, that means you can. Because when he told you, with the word came the ability. Came the grace. Came the power. All the provision is connected to the word. It's vain for us to beg God to provide for us to do something he told us to do. It was his idea. Right? And when he told us to do it, with that command or directive came all the enablement, empowerment, wisdom, provision, help. When he told you to do it, all that was attached to it. So when he said, let's pass over to the other side, what does that mean? Everything we will need to be able to get from point A here to point B over there to the other side. He didn't say go halfway and sink. He said, what? Let us pass over to the other side. When he said it, everything you need is in that to get you there. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Encountering a storm does not mean you missed God. You hear some folks that, uh, you know, they think if they encounter any difficulty or any challenges, well, this can't be God, must not be God. Well, no, the enemy's not just going to sit by and let you tear up all his stuff that he's built and receive everything and displace him without trying to stop it, trying to do something about it. All he can do is try. He can hinder, but he can't stop it. If you and I won't quit, won't give up. So even though the storm came up and the waves beat into the ship and the ship is full of water, that doesn't change the fact that they are exactly where they're supposed to be doing what he told them to do. Don't let the storm move you. Don't let the uh, sloshiness move you. The wetness. And Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep. On a pillow. The picture of faith. Isn't it? If the boat's full of water. I reckon his clothes are floating. (laughs) The boat's full of water. And he's asleep. Maybe the pillow gives him a little bit out of the water. But stuff is wet. And not just wet. This thing is pitching. And the wind is howling. And the waves are slapping the boat. How's he sleeping through this? Well, he's not scared. I said he's not scared. You know how you can sleep good? Don't be scared. Don't go to sleep afraid. 
it leaves a door open for you to be tormented with nightmares and wrong thoughts and wrong feelings. Don't go to sleep scared. Go to sleep praising God. Worshiping God. Right? With your mind stayed on Him. Stayed on good things. So he's sleeping on the pillar. And they woke him up. And they say to him. Now you got to put yourself there. Hey, we need to be rocking. Woom. Woom. Wet. Wind. They got to raise their voice. Master. Master. <laughs> up till now. He's. Sleeping through all this. His body's rolling around. Can you picture Jesus? He's rolling around. He's just sleeping. Sleeping. Picture of faith. And they wake him up and they say, Master, don't you care? Don't you care? This is a question. What are they questioning? His love. Don't you care? In their mind, and it's just the enemy. Have you noticed how the enemy will continuously try to get you to question other people's love for you and try to get them to question your love for them and try to get you to question God's love? He's always attacking that point. Have you noticed that? Why? Because everything is connected to it. Your faith works by it. Your revelation of righteousness and everything is connected to it. If the enemy can get us to questioning our love for each other, God's love for us, our love for him, then there is a crack. There is a point of entry for him. What the Bible say? Give the devil what? Give him no place. No place. And one of the most basic things to do to give him no place is to settle it once and for all. God loves me. And I love him. Right? And they love me. And I love them. I had a lady one time years ago when I was ministering at Brother Hagin's ministry in the healing school in the afternoon. I taught on some things that not everybody necessarily liked that day. (laughs) And she was following me down the hall, hollering, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't like you. (laughs) And for some reason, I don't know why, but it just popped out. I said, you just don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. (laughs) Did you know you can love people when they don't like you? And it is the most comfortable thing. It is so nice. They can just be foaming at the mouth. And you can just be smiling and having a good day. And go well I'm going to keep on loving you. Because you know I like being healed. I like having all my bills. But I like it over here in love land. <laughs> and, and you can get carried away if you want to. But you ought to come over here with me. But you'll find that the enemy is continuously attacking this point. Well, if he loved you, why hadn't this happened yet? 
Where is your God? I mean, why did this happen? If he loves you, why did that, and why did that happen to them? They're a good person. They're good people. Why didn't that happen? You know they prayed. You know that why did that happen? See, all of that is a colored way of saying he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? And he arose. He got up. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. He rebuked the wind. Then he spoke peace to what the wind had stirred up. He rebuked the cause of the problem. Then he spoke peace to what had been disrupted. And the wind ceased. The cause of the problem stopped. And then there was a great calm. Then the water laid down and was peaceful. How many know if you keep trying to calm the waves while the wind's still blowing? <laughs> That's going to wear you out. Because just about the time you get one part calmed down, the wind's going to kick another part up, right? And you are not going to make progress. Now you've got to deal with what's causing the problem. He didn't pray to the Father about that. He rebuked that. That's not prayer. That's taking your authority. Commanding it to stop. Rebuke. Rebuke it. Say, you stop that in the name of Jesus. Stop that. I command that to cease and desist. Stop right now in Jesus' name. And when it does, well, you know, if the water's all riled up, well, it may be just a little bit, you know, then you speak to it, peace, calm down. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I'm so glad we got the word. Because if it was theologians and religious-minded folk writing this, it wouldn't have read like that. (laughs) It would have read like this. I am so glad y'all woke me up. (laughs) And don't try this at home. (laughs) Because I am the son of God and I can do this. And uh, you should have woke me up earlier. <laughs> that, that religion thinks that way. But that's not what the master said. He looks at them and he asks them a question. Why are you so fearful? Why are you full of fear? And how is it that you have no faith? Full of fear and no faith. And he wants to know why. How come? By him asking, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's obvious they could have done better than what they did here. If not, he's unreasonable to say this to them. And if they could never have done what he just did, this is not a a fair statement either. They must have been capable of, in fact... It must have been reasonable that having been with him now for the time that they've been with him and seen what they've seen and all the preaching and teaching that they've heard and the environment that they've been in, it was reasonable for Jesus to expect more out of them than them crying and hollering and accusing him of not caring. 
You know, the further we go, the more he expects out of us. Did you know that? After the Lord has moved for you, heard your prayer, met your needs, time after time, year after year, decade after decade, it comes a point where when the next thing pops up, you ought not just fall apart anymore. You ought not just start crying and boohooing and questioning God and questioning faith and questioning love. There ought to come a time when no matter what the devil comes up with, you just lean back and go, been here before. (laughs) Right? Seen it a thousand times. Have you ever noticed you can be healed 350 times? And the next time something tries to attach itself or cause you a problem, the enemy brings the thought, you're not going to get it this time. (laughs) Not going to get healed this time. I mean, God can meet your financial needs hundreds of times, thousands of times, but the next time some little bill comes up and you don't know where it's going to come from, the same thought comes to you, not going to happen this time. Where are you going to get it? Not going to happen this time. I know uh, they made us learn uh, certain Literature, poetry in school, Edgar Allan Poe. You and y'all had to learn that stuff too? Man, had to come up picking a book like that. And you remember one of his most famous poems, uh, The Raven. Thus quoth the raven, nevermore, nevermore. That's the recurring, nevermore. What is nevermore? Never, not going to happen, never going to happen again. That sounds like the devil. Not going to happen, never going to happen again. Oh, but thank God there's another voice if you listen to it. Amen. Second Corinthians 2.14. The Bible talks about it. First Corinthians 15 talks about it. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and who always causes us to triumph. Don't you believe that not this time? You need to holler always, 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 always. He did it then, he'll do it now. He'll do it tomorrow, always, always. Why are you so full of fear? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I want you to see, put yourself in their place. The head of the church, Jesus, is looking at you. And he says, why did you get so scared? And where is your faith? I mean, you've been in the meetings, right? You've seen all these healings. You've seen all these miracles. You've seen the dead raised. You've seen amazing things. Where's your faith? Now, the head of the church is looking at you. What should your response be? He just asked you a question. (laughs) His eyes have yours. And he's saying, John, Susie, Peter, Thomas, Betty, why are you so scared? Why are you so full of fear? Why is it that you don't have any faith? What are you going to tell him? Well, we're not doing too good, are we? <laughs> well, forget trying to explain it. What do you think would be a good response to that? More fear or less fear now? 
What are we going to do? Are we going to try to kick it in faith gear now? Or just ignore him? Or, or what? He just told us, why are you so full of fear? Where's your faith? And so notice their response. Verse 41. And so they did what? <laughs> this is the word magus fear. <laughs> they feared enormously. They were just fearing before he said, why are you afraid? <laughs> then when he said, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Then they really got scared. <laughs> they feared enormously. Do you think that pleased him? No. And they said to one another, what kind of man is this? The wind and the sea obey him. That scares me. <laughs> They were scared when the storm was on. And they got more scared when it stopped. After he uh, asked them a question. Now go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. Of faith. faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Verse 16 For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All this goes together. Do you know a few verses later, chapter 5 and verse 7 says what? For we walk by faith and not by sight. He's talking about the spirit of faith. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you can see he's talking about not seen, not seen, not walking by sight, walking by faith, the spirit of faith. Now go with me to uh, Timothy, laying a foundation tonight. Second Timothy 1, verse 2. He said to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. So Timothy's crying. What's going on? Verse 5. Why is he going to be filled with joy? Not because Timothy's crying. Verse 5. The joy comes when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you. So Timothy must be having some trials. He must have been pressed. And crying. And the Spirit of God through Paul is telling him, 
I know you're crying now, but I get joy when I think about (laughs) the faith that is in you, boy. He said that faith was in your grandma. And that faith was in your mama. And I'm persuaded it's in you. Did you know faith is precious? The Bible talks about like precious faith. It is so precious, it is actually rare in the earth and in the universe. In fact, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith in the earth. That's how rare and precious it is. And that's why that there's a broad way that leads to destruction and many that are going down it because they have no faith in God. And there's a straight and a narrow way and a relative few that are because they have this precious faith. And you and I ought to be shouting happy. Do you have some of this precious faith in you? It is Greater than silver and gold. It's going to be rewarded. It's going to be praised. This faith that's in us. He said that faith. I know you're crying. I know you're going through some stuff. But this faith that John says overcomes the world. The victory that overcomes the world faith. It was in your grandma and it got her through. It was in your mama and it got her through. And it's in you too. And it'll bring you through. Glory to God. Keep reading. Wherefore I put you in remembrance. That you stir up the gift of God. Which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Verse 7. For. All this goes together. For. God has not given us the spirit of fear. This is some insight into why Timmy's crying. Because the Bible talks about the joy. I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but it's, it's hard not to. The joy of faith and the torment of fear. You're not tormented because you believe God. You're tormented because you're afraid. And he said, God didn't give you and me, did not give us the spirit of fear. One translation says fearfulness. But he gave us the spirit. The spirit he gave us is the spirit of power. It won't make you lay in your bed and cry and feel sorry for yourself. This spirit. The spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. I want you to hear these two terms. We just got through reading 2 Corinthians 4.13. We having the same spirit of faith. Here he tells Timothy, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. I think we have not walked in as much awareness as we should that he said spirit. Spirit of faith, spirit of fear. Spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. Fear is not just about your mind and your reasoning. 
Faith is not just about knowledge of the Bible. It's a spirit. The spirit of faith. You know, Phyllis laughed at me some years ago. We were in a meeting. And as a fellow was speaking, I had never seen him or heard him before. And he'd been going about five minutes. I elbowed her. I said, I like him. She said, you don't know him. You just heard him five minutes. Why do you say that? I said, he's got faith. He wasn't teaching on faith. Why would you say he's got faith? Because as a fellow faither, I recognize it. (laughs) And it's not just talk. It's not just knowing the right phrases to say. It is a spirit. A spirit of faith. A spirit about them. Oh, can you say glory to God? Turn to Numbers. Numbers 14, 24. You remember when they came to the promised land? And they went in there and they saw those giants. What happened to them? They got scared. They saw those walled cities. What happened? They didn't just look at them and take measurements and go into analysis mode. Can we with X amount take them with Y amount? No, something happened to them that was beyond reasoning. A spirit of fear gripped the whole bunch. Can you see it? That's what was going on with those disciples. This was not just a natural episode. And it wasn't just them looking at the wind and waves and go, whew, that looks scary. A spirit of fear had come on them to the point that the head of the church is looking at them, in essence telling them, quit being afraid and have faith so their response is get more scared. (laughs) Exceedingly fear. Now, I perceive that we as word people, as faith people, have learned how to avoid words that describe fear. But that doesn't mean the fear is not there. Fear is a big, big problem. And there are children of God, there are so-called faith people, word people, that are yielding to fear big time. They won't say the word fear. They know they're not supposed to have it, but they're full of it. And it's not okay. And I'm believing the Lord's helping us tonight and helping us this week to identify it and to deal with it and to get free from it. How do you get full of the spirit of fear? Spirit of fear. You get full of a spirit by yielding to it. How do you get full of the spirit of faith? By yielding to it. And when you get full of faith, there's no room for the fear. It loses its place. Numbers 14:24, the Bible said after they the 12 spies came back from Examining the land, 
And the ten of them brought up the evil report. And Joshua and Caleb tried to calm the people down. But there was, see, you can begin to see why when mobs just trample each other and all of them run to try to get through the same three-foot hole. Makes no sense. What's going on? It's a spirit of fear that's beyond people's thinking. It's just overwhelming them because they're just yielding to it. So it's just filling them. And so people become irrational and unreasonable and just do bizarre things. Later on, they look back up and go, why in the world did I do that? What was I thinking? Well, you weren't thinking. You were just yielding to fear. The spirit of fear. And people so many times have been trained watching their parents, watching all the people they're around their whole life. They have trained to yield to fear. And so they're good at it. They yield to fear without thinking, without examining it. But did you know you can be retrained? Amen. Did you know you can be trained to yield to faith Amen. so that it becomes something you do without even thinking? That no matter what happens, your initial response is not cry and get scared. Your initial response is believe God and start speaking the word and expect some miracle to happen. Amen. Faith. Faith. And it's not just reasoning and knowledge. It's the spirit of faith. Oh, hallelujah. Did you know Hebrews 11 describes person after person after person that had the spirit of faith? Right? And faith comes, the spirit of faith comes by hearing the Spirit's words, Spirit is Spirit. And when you hear, there's a certain amount of faith will come into you. But 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of faith. Did you know there's a faith that can come on you that's beyond what you've ever experienced? That'll make you so strong inside that it seems like you couldn't doubt and fear if you wanted to. There's more faith than what we've touched and walked in. Somebody say, I have, I have. The, same the same spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. Glory, to God. Glory to God. This is world overcoming faith. Yes. Victorious faith. He said, after they could not be persuaded, when they came back, they got in their tents and cried all night long. They were beside themselves. If you'd have walked through the camp of the Israelites that night, it would have felt eerie. Why? Because fear was everywhere. It was in every tent. It was on every heart and mind. The spirit of fear was all over that place. Why? Because the devil is doing, this is his big attack to cause this whole nation to miss the plan of God. And what's his big weapon? Fear. Fear. It's the same thing he still uses today. To try to keep you and I out of the perfect will of God. Missing the plan of God. And it's unreasonable. It's irrational. You'll just, you feel it. And it's spirit. 
But old friend, you can resist it. You do not have to yield to it. You can stand against that and yield to the spirit of faith. It's your choice when it comes. But don't act like fear is not an issue. Don't act like it's not. The world's full of it. It's everywhere. It's all around us. And many, many Christians are much more fearful than they'd like to admit. You can hear it in the tone of their voice. You can see it in their eyes. They're trying to say the right thing, but they're full of fear. And that's not how you get miracles. That's not how you get victories. Oh, but there's a cure. Do you believe there's a cure? Why would the Lord even be talking to us about it? Because he's leading us to be completely free. He said when judgment came because the others could not be persuaded that his word was true and that he was big enough to get them in, he told them they were all going to die out there in the wilderness. Except for Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has what? Another spirit, spirit, a different spirit. The NIV says, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Well, what what kind would it be? Spirit of faith. They're full of the spirit of fear. He's full of the spirit of faith. You can hear it, can't you? When they stood up in front of the people and everybody's wailing and crying. And you talk about preaching to a crowd that's not with you. (laughs) This bunch is wailing. They are absolutely hopeless because they have come all this way and they had hoped that maybe somehow they could get into a good land and now they see it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. There is no way. These guys confirmed it. They said, we saw them. There's no way we're whooping those guys. No way you coming through those walls. Then they started crying and going, oh, we're going to die out here. And Caleb and Joshua got up and said, hush, hush, hush. Listen. Yeah, we saw it. But did you see the grapes? Did you see the grapes? The Lord told us what it was a good land. And it is. His word is true. And if he's with us, their defense is gone from them. I'm telling you, they're bread for us. We can do this thing. Can you hear something? What do you hear? What do you hear? The spirit of faith. They're not just trying to work them up. These boys believe this. They're ready to strap on some equipment and go. Aren't they? They believed it so much. Forty years of griping and desert couldn't get it out of them. Right? At 80 years old, they're still going, this is my mountain. I believed it then. I believe it now. Let's go take her. Somebody say the spirit of faith. The spirit, the spirit of faith. It's not a belief system. It's not about learning all the right phrases and sequences and steps. People have become too mechanical about principles. It's the spirit. Spirit of faith. One thing that will help you a lot is to hang around others that have the Spirit. Did you know there are folks, you know there are folks that teach on faith that don't much live by faith? (laughs) It's not just a matter of reading scriptures on faith. Spirit of faith. 
You can see it in somebody's eyes. You can hear it in the tone of their voice. You can see it in their reactions. Can't you? Spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. You can also see the spirit of fear. I've been in situations where somebody got a bad report. And I saw their look. I saw their countenance change. And I could tell they're yielding to the spirit of fear right now. They got quiet. They got scared. And that's part of our job. You and I are to jump in with our faith cape flying. Ta-da! Never fear. Faith is here. Huh? No, honey. No, no. We're not laying down and dying. No, we're not just going to quit. We're going to believe God. He's come through before. He'll do it again. And you're not just trying to hype and talk. You believe this. They can see it in your eyes. They can hear it in your voice. It's not just knowledge of faith. It's the spirit of faith. I think a fella could preach in here before it's over with. (laughs) Glory to God. There's a bank of faith in here right now. Like a fog bank. This is one of the big reasons why we should gather together. I know a lot of you made great effort. You spent money. You had to rearrange schedules. But there are certain times and places we should be together. And bring our faith together. Right? And we will get things and see things that we won't get any other way. (laughs) I can almost see a faith meter. I'm not having a vision. This is just... No, this is just me here. You know, the faith, you know, it's low, it's high, it's halfway. How many want it pegged? You want the faith, faith meter? If they could have megasphere, we can have megas faith. Right? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, I will. He said, you know, they're going to die out here. The whole bunch. Millions of people. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land. Yes, he will. And his descendants shall inherit it. The spirit of faith. Go with me to Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 2. This spirit of fear is the devil's biggest deal. It's his biggest weapon. It's his most successful tool. It has just worked too well too many times everywhere. And he does not want you and I to get this. He wants us to be in the dark about fear. And he wants us to be ignorant about it. And if he can't just keep us in the dark, he wants us to be proud about it. What do you mean? Well, to be afraid and just get good at hiding it. Because you don't want anybody to know that you're scared because you're a faith man, faith preacher, faith pastor. But friend, covering something 
is not dealing with it. Putting on a happy face and putting on a good show around other people and then going home and being scared out of your wits and just yielding to this and, and crying and, and being sorrowful and bitter and, and until you can brace yourself back up and go out and, and be the faith man again. That is no way to live. And that's not how we get results. Friend, don't, don't be ashamed that you've had issues to deal with. Everybody has. Everybody. You know, the, uh, the Lord dealt with me some time back about uh, testimonies. That uh, testimonies are not supposed to intimidate. They're supposed to inspire. And sometimes people, they give a very edited version of what happened. <laughs> They say, glory to God, I sowed my seed, I gave the command, and hallelujah, it happened, glory to God. <laughs> but people get the idea, well, man, I did that and it ain't how it worked with me. I just must not be much of a faith man. And it's not so much that the guy's lying. He's just not giving a lot of details. And they're not always necessary, but I think if you do too much of that, just that little blip, it can leave the wrong idea. When the actual story was, God worked on him for 10 years <laughs> to get him to believe it. <laughs> the first several times, he just rejected the message. But the Lord kept on, and eventually, he did release his faith. But he almost quit eight times during the next five years. And the Lord supernaturally had people call him and pray for him and speak on things in meetings where he was. Come on, are you listening? And propped him up and sustained him. And just by the mercy of God and the grace of God, it came to pass. <laughs> But sometimes all you hear is, I believed for it. Yeah. You should too. <laughs> everybody. Somebody say everybody. Everybody has had issues. And if you've never had an issue in that area, remember that. That means you don't have a clue <laughs> about dealing with it. And you can't talk until you have been there and overcome that. We should just love each other. Right? And be there for each other. I tell my folks in the Faith Life Church, Branson and here, you need to be involved in the church. You need to be on the teams. One of the reasons is you need faith buddies. Faith buddies. Faith buddies have code talk. You can just call a faith buddy. Go, hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. Nice day, huh? Yeah. Hey, uh, tell me again how God meets my needs. <laughs> and that's all you need. That's all. They go in to faith mode. Ta-da. They begin to say, meet your, meet your needs. 
Let me tell you, you remember when God did this? And you remember when he did that? And you know, I was there when you and I prayed on this thing. I'm telling you, you're closer to it than you've ever been. You got all this behind you now. You're closing in. That's why the devil's trying to mess with you. Because you're right there, right there, right there. (laughs) Faith, 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 faith. And you can be standing there in your kitchen, on the phone or on your cell phone, whatever it is. And and you can just feel it. You can just feel it coming into you. Glory to God, because it is the spirit of faith. And you wipe your eye and dry your nose and go, "Uh uh-huh, yep, yep. I have come, I haven't come this far to quit. I'm going all the way. And he always causes me to triumph. We all need each other and need this fellowship of faith. And we need these booster shots, right? We need this help. And uh, so don't, you know, you don't have to talk your fear and just yield to it and gush. But uh, if you're dealing with something, you don't just try to cover it and hide it and not deal with it. And just put on a happy face when you're away and then fall apart when you go home and you're just yielding to it, yielding to it. No, that's not going to fix it. It's got to be dealt with. It's got to be replaced. We're going to talk about that as we go. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much... As the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus himself took part of the same, that he through death, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear and bondage go together. Fear and bondage. Hold your place there. But in uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 2 Corinthians 7, they'll put it upon the screen, verse 5, Paul said, when we were come to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. You believe Paul's a man of faith? No question. No way you do what he did and was used the way he was except you have great faith. But he said, my flesh, did you hear that? My flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Everybody say without. Without. Fightings. Fightings. Within. Within. Fears. Fears. Now when we read Spirit of Faith in 2 Corinthians 4.13, you notice verse 16 talks immediately about the inner man, the outer man, things seen, things not seen. And here is the distinguishing. You can't control everything outside you. You can control inside you. And the enemy cannot put fear in, in, in you. Can't. Can't. Cannot. 
If fear is in you, it got in you because you or I let it in. Yielded to it. Let it in. It's pervasive. It's all around us. It's in all the programs and the news and speeches and announcements. It's what's wrong with markets and governments and fear, 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 fear. It's everywhere. People are afraid. Oh, they put on a happy face and try to act like they're not, but they're scared they're going to lose their job. They're scared they're going to lose their place. They're scared people are going to find out what they did. They're scared, they're scared, they're scared. And the enemy just has a heyday with it. Because when people are yielding to fear, they're yielding to death. And they're yielding to him. And even though legally and spiritually he's been stripped of it, still, if you'll give him the place, he's happy to oblige. Paul talked about this in another place. He said the cares of all the churches that came on him. Notice it didn't say in him. Because he also told us to cast our cares. Be careful for nothing, he said. And Peter said, cast all your cares. Things come. It doesn't mean you're not spiritual because fears come to you. It means you're alive and in the earth. They're going to come to you. They're going to come to me. These feelings. You can be going along just doing great. And all at once, wham, here are these feelings and these thoughts bombarding you. And if you don't know what's going on, you'll think, well, something's wrong with me. No, it's your enemy. You're not concocting those of yourself. He's bringing them to you from the outside. And what you should immediately think is don't let it in. Just because you feel afraid, just because it's against you and the thoughts are coming, doesn't mean you've even lost a battle at all. It just means don't let it in. Don't let it in. Somebody say, don't let it in. Don't let it in. Don't let it in. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Reckon you'd feel some things. Huh? Sure, you're going to feel some things. See, the enemy tries to confuse folks. They think, well, if you've got enough faith, you never even have any feelings. Oh, get out of here. Everybody has feelings. Everybody will be tempted to fear. I mean, preachers. You ever been tempted to fear you wasn't going to do good? Well, let me go ahead and get into this. Let's just expose this right now. How many preachers, I want to see a show of hands on this one. After you got through preaching, the devil brought thoughts that told you that was lousy. <laughs> I see hands everywhere. How many of the devil told you that more than 10 or 20 times? That was lousy. What's he trying to do? Well, even before it. It's, you know, no matter what's going on, he tries to put fear in you. The Lord might have given you good utterance and revelation a hundred thousand times in the past, but then you get ready for another service, get ready for another meeting, here comes the devil. You don't have a clue, do you? You don't know what you're going to preach. You don't know. You know you're going to mess this one up. Ooh, you're going to botch this one up. What's he trying to do? 
He's trying to get fear in you. He can't do it. But he can sure be persistent about bringing the thoughts and bringing the feelings and bringing this is going to happen to you. That's going and, and you know when we first started the church here in Branson, the Lord gave us a directive to read testimonies. This is why Phyllis just read the testimonies. We do it ongoing. And uh, the Lord gave us this word about it that we were to give him all the glory and to give the devil none. And so we'll tell little things like, I got a new pocket knife. Praise the Lord. But even if the devil is able to pull off some big something, we give him no free advertising. None. Even if he's able to do something, pull something off, we're like, huh, what? And one of the reasons is, what happens when Phyllis reads or somebody reads about somebody got healed, somebody got delivered, somebody got their debts paid off? You can just know that when it's real and the anointing is there, somebody somewhere is hearing and going, me too, me too. He did it for them, he'll do it for me. And that's why he wants us to do that. Well, what do you think's happening when somebody tells how somebody's life was destroyed by a disease or their finances were destroyed and they went under? There's also an anointing of the spirit of fear. And the enemy wants you to tell it. He wants you to tell it, tell it, tell it, so that then he can come and jump on them and go, you too. You too, it's going to happen to you. That's going to happen to you. But here's the thing, friends, when you know the truth, and the truth will make you free, the devil cannot put fear in you. Don't you say it out loud. The devil cannot, cannot put fear in me. He can't do it. He can't do it. Only you can let it in. You believe it or not? If fear is in you, how did it get there? You yielded to it. You let it in. Just like this. Nobody can force faith in you either. Did you know it? Nobody can make you believe. God's not going to force you to believe himself. No matter how badly you need to. If you got faith in you, how'd you get it? You yielded to it. You received it. You said, yes, I believe that. Yes, I receive it. You opened up yourself. You received it. That's how faith gets in you. That's how fear gets in, folks. Go to the book of John. The book of John and the uh, 14th chapter Glory to God. John 14. Jesus said, right before he went to the cross, verse 1, John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What's the understood subject here? You are not to let or allow your heart to be troubled. Skip on down to the latter part of the chapter. In verse uh, 26. But the comforter. Now of all the names he could have emphasized. How many understand. 
This is the anti-fear. Isn't it? Hmm? God didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gave us the spirit of adoption, the comforter, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, if you listen to him, he will whisper to you, he will speak to you continuously, day and night, how much God loves you, how important you are to the Father, how redeemed you are, how righteous you are, how free you are, how you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. It is the anti-fear spirit. Do you believe it? The comforter. He's going to teach you everything. He's going to bring everything to your remembrance. Verse 27. This See, this goes together. This, Peace I leave with you. When he gave us the comforter, he gave us peace. My peace I give unto you. Can you picture Jesus terrified of anything the devil would ever say or do? Can you picture it? Can you picture Jesus scared of a disease? Huh? Or of some demon activity? Or or of dying? Or getting hurt? Or accident? Can you picture Jesus being scared? He walked in a peace that passes understanding. And you know what else he did? He left it with us. He said, the peace I've walked in, I'm leaving it with you. My peace. My peace. I don't know that we've really believed that. Somebody say his peace. His peace. I have his peace. His peace. His peace. How many think if you got his peace... You ought never be scared. Never. You ought never be shaken. Never be upset. Never be rattled. Why? Because you got his peace. I had a fellow one time wanted to walk around with me and stay for a few days at at healing school back at Brother Hagin's ministry. They were starting some things at their place and and the leadership told him he could stay with me and see what we did. And so for three or four days, we had meetings and I mean, we were busy. I mean, we'd get up and teach classes and then we'd have prayer school and then we'd have healing school and we'd rest and come back and do it again. And uh, finally we came back after a good healing class, came back to my office and I sat down. I just kind of leaned back and he said, Brother Key, can I say something? I said, sure. He said, if you was any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. Because I purpose to yield to that, not what's going on in this world. This world is a wild, crazy, rat race, fear-filled, curse-filled, death-filled place. And every time you step through it, it's trying to get on you. And the devil's trying to get it in you. And things can come on you, but it never has to get in you. Keep reading. Peace I leave with you. My peace 
I give to you. Not as the world gives. You can't find this in the world. You can't find this in a bottle. You can't find this in a, in a pill. Let not your heart be troubled. Well, he just got through saying that not long ago. But he says it again. Why? Because you need to know. And I need to know. We have the power to never let it in. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Many, 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 many Christians do not believe this. They do not. I know. I've counseled with some of them. I've talked with some of them. I've prayed with some of them. And they've looked at me when I try to encourage them. And they didn't know it, but I'm trying to get them to begin to resist this fear. And they're looking at me without realizing it. They're trying to talk me into being afraid with them. I've had people get mad at me and go, they'd tell me the thing. And I'd say, well, yeah, but you know. Uh, God's still on the throne and Jesus took all our infirmities. I don't care what it is. We, and they said, well, you don't understand the seriousness of this situation. Because they think I'm trying to make light of it. And what they don't realize is you need to make light of it. You're more impressed with this problem than you are your Savior. You think this problem is bigger than your healer, bigger than your provider. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get me, if I take your problem as seriously as you're doing right now, I will be scared too. <laughs> and what's the point of you coming to me for help if I'm just as scared and fearful as you are, right? <laughs> no. People have not been taught to resist fear. I remember the first time the Lord ever taught me this. I was a boy. Remember it clearly. And you know how kids sometimes can get scared of something. You could have counted on three fingers the scriptures or parts of scriptures I knew. But thank God for my Sunday school teacher <laughs> that taught us kids the 23rd Psalm. I did know part of that. And I was scared. I mean, I was shaking. I was trembling, a kid, over something. And it come up in my spirit. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody know the next line? I what? I what? What does it mean? Now, we don't necessarily talk like that. I will fear. No. How would we say it? I will not fear. I'm not going to. How are you not going to do it? Because, you know, like I said, I've talked to people over and over and I've had people look at me and actually get irritated and go, well, I can't help it. I mean, if you were in my shoes, you'd be upset too. I, I'm trying. What, what do you want me to do? I'm getting mad at you. It's not what I want you to do. It's what the, your Savior commanded you to do. He said, don't let it in. Don't let, put it back up. Verse 27. What did he say? This shouldn't make you mad. This should make you happy. If you hadn't known it, you just found out. I can do something the devil told me I couldn't do. He's always telling people, you, you can't, these feelings are too much. You can't handle this. This just bowled you over. This has flattened you out. I was just going along making it pretty good. And bam, this hit me. And it's bigger than the both of us. 
Lies. 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 You never have to let it in. Jesus said, let not. Can you hear him saying it tonight, friends? Can you hear him? The head of the church. Let not your heart be troubled. What should we say? We going to pull what the disciples did out on the lake? Or are we going to have more faith in that? Let not your heart be troubled. What should you say? Okay. Yes, sir. I'll do that. Say it out loud. I will not. Let my heart be troubled. If a child of God's heart is troubled, how'd it get that way? They. You can't control everything going on outside you. There may be some stuff going on in people around you. Symptoms bugging you. Financial issues. People acting crazy. There's a lot going on out here. You're not in control of all of it. But you are in control what's in here. And you're in the midst of all of this stuff. You can say, I resist this fear. I, am, I refuse to fear. Somebody needs to say it out loud. I refuse. I refuse to fear. I don't care what it is. You're going to lose everything you got. Say it out loud. I refuse to fear. You're going to die with this. I refuse to fear. They're going to leave you. I refuse to fear. They're going to fire you. They're going to kick you out. You're not going to. I refuse. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. I refuse to. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I'm not going to let it be afraid. I know I've said the same thing three or four times now, but it's the spirit of faith. Stand up, everybody. The devil's a mean devil. He's cruel. He's so persistent. But he is a defeated foe. He cannot just come into our lives and do just whatever he decides to do. He can try. He can bring thoughts and feelings. But you and I can put our foot down and we can shut the door. And we can say, no. You may do some stuff around me and out in the world, but you can't put that in me. You can't put it in me. Close your eyes. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.